Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today here on the Loving Liberty Network. Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their families, and their communities. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about how uh, Liberty Moms are actually the superintendent of education. They have many hats that they wear. Today, I'm really pleased to introduce my guest to you. Her name is Jen Dredge. And I met Jen face to face last night, although we have probably communicated online before. But uh, Jen was at a meeting that I attended last night in the Salt Lake Valley area that was um, dedicated to election integrity. And uh, I learned at that meeting that Jen has been working behind the scenes Uh, doing a lot of legwork, trying to uh, verify and get a forensic audit to take place here in Utah. And I was blown away by all the work that she'd done. And she brought in some amazing speakers who we'll talk about here shortly. But Jen, thank you for joining us. I know that you have a title of super mom, (laughs) but you're also a liberty mom too, because super moms are there to do the work to get liberty, um, I don't want to say established, but to get it back if we've lost it. And so thanks for joining us today, Jen. Thanks for having me. Happy to be so here. I, I met you, um, really learned about you for the first time last night and the work you've done. And so tell our listeners who you are, a little bit sure. about yourself and what got you into this uh, this huge issue. It's a big issue. Of- it is. Um, So a little bit about me. I'm born and raised in Utah. I have lived in other states, moved back here about six years ago, maybe. Um, And it's not the Utah I left. So I was a little stunned uh, by what I walked back into. Um, And then what got me involved in looking at election integrity. I mean, we all saw what happened November 3rd, 4th. Um, You know, I, I had been warning my husband actually leading up to that. I was like, they're going to steal the election. I could see it with all of the laws being passed in other States, you know, and things like that. And the mail-in balloting all that. And I was like, they're going to steal the election, mark my words. And so when it happened, I wasn't shocked per se, but it was kind of like, Whoa, did that just actually happen? You know, did that, and we're not fixing it. Like, it's just going to, it's just going and going and going. And so I was floored. And I think like most of America, you keep thinking, okay, it's going to get fixed now, though, now that they're listening, right, to affidavits and all this stuff. No, it didn't get fixed then. So, and then, you know, the 20th, we all kind of, it was like, okay, that just happened, you know? So, um, and that's when I got like, we, we have to fix this. We have to fix it. We cannot vote on those machines or even use some of the same ballot, you know, or the printers that with the ballots, things like that. Um, in 2022, because then our votes don't count. We don't know, 
right? Well, and I want to let the listeners know that when you're talking about the integrity of the election that just took place on November 3rd, there were a group of Utahns, myself included, that actually went down to Nevada to canvas. And when we say canvas, that means you get out and you take voter lists and you go to the address that these people have registered to vote and you actually physically show up at that address to make sure that person is registered and voted at that address. And it was shocking at how much fraud we found with mail-in ballots. And so we were given particular ballots that kicked out in the primary. And then all of a sudden, November 3rd, they just counted like, you know, these are ballots now, right? And we would show up to an address that didn't exist. Okay, just a false address. We'd show up to a a home where the person had never lived there that was registered to vote or multiple people were registered to vote at that address that didn't live there or they had moved uh, two years ago or whatever. There was tons of false um, uh, fraudulent uh, discrepancies with mail-in ballots and tons of affidavits were were turned in and, and we actually were able to overturned, they had to hold a new election in Clark County for a commissioner seat because there was enough fraud exposed that they had to hold a new election. Right. They wouldn't take it to the level of president. That's like, oh, no, we we can't worry about Trump's results, but we will take care of the county. So they knew there was fraud. We exposed it. So it's valid. It's a valid thing that we've got numerous witnesses. And so you decided something has to get fixed, right? Yeah. Well, and I live in Utah. So I was like, I'll, you know, I'll start with Utah, right? Like that's what I can affect. That's what I can do. Um, And I started kind of, you know how it is when you're trying to get everybody together and trying to figure things out and get organized. It took us a little bit to get that going. Um, But I threw up really quick. I built the website in like, I think a week, it was utahfreedomcoalition.org. And the reason I threw it up was actually to keep track of like all of the events that were happening and you know what I mean? Different things so I could try to coordinate. Um, And then it's basically a place for any Utah freedom, you know, leader to put their information. Uh, But it just kind of evolved over time into being very focused on voting, right? The more we honed down. It's like, that's sort of the linchpin, as I say, because it affects, for example, school boards and other, you know what I mean? We've got to fix the voting. So the more I looked into data, um, and even this is public data, just open to the public data. The more I looked in and some uh, background people that are awesome, we wouldn't be able to do any of it without a group that works with me. Um, The more we looked into the data, we're like, something's off. You know what I mean? These numbers aren't adding up things are very, there's just some strange patterns we're seeing. And so I just kind of thought, all right, how do I, what do I do about that? Right? Like, who do I go to? How do I present this? How do I reach out? And Arizona, (laughs) um, Barna and Dave Jose were very helpful uh, in helping me with the affidavits and then putting me in contact with some people. And that's how I got in contact with Dr. Frank and some of these other people, um, Seth Keschel, you know, all of them. And I turned over the data that we had. Now, you heard in the meeting last night, we still do not have all of our voter rolls. They, you know, we can't get those. Um, Only our legislature or the GOP can get those. 
Um, and even then, you know, can they share them? I don't know. Um, well, let's be clear. Let's be clear. So yeah. they formally requested this voter information for specific dates during the election period. It, it goes to Lieutenant Governor uh, Henderson. Yes. And she's refused to turn that data Correct. over yep. to, the, to the legislature and to the Republican Party. I don't know about the GOP, but to the legislature for sure. To the legislature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what are they hiding? That's what I say. I say, if you have what? nothing to hide, why wouldn't exactly. you turn it over? Yeah. I mean, Governor Cox was on CNN and right. talked about how great and yep. how honest our elections are. So what's, what's the right? Why the, why, why, why not hiding it? If we're so good, the if we're the epitome of voting integrity. Right. Why would you not be like, yeah, let's back it up. We've touted Utah as the voting integrity, you know, capital here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've sent them all over the country to actually promote mail in balloting, by the way. We were the test pilot state for that. Yes. We're the test pilot state for ranked choice voting. I, they've removed our caucus. You think about that. That's awful. That needs to be restored. Yes, B uh, 54 needs to be removed. You know, so oh, there's a and- lot of things. There are, including we have same day voter registration, yep. which I believe uh, Rep. Senator Henderson at the time, our lieutenant governor now, ran that bill that was always run. These were bills always run by the Democrats. Yep. They never get them through. And then the Republicans picked up the baton and went ahead and ran these bills that set up situations where voter fraud is very easy to do. Correct. And there's a ton. There's um, I forget. I'll have to look up the name of the bill, but it's 482 pages. Read. I'll get the name because if you read through that bill, it's quite alarming what was passed. Something was passed on November 2nd that would blow people's minds. November 2nd, the day before the election, uh, you know, and it it alters um, time frame for certain things. So I'll, I'll try to get the bill title. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But okay. um, yeah, it's it's crazy when you start looking at the election bills that have been passed from 2010 to now. There's 201 that they've passed. Wow. Well, Jen, we have more to talk. We've got a quick break that we need to take right now. Please stay with us. Jen Dredge is talking election integrity here in Utah on the Liberty Mob Show. Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Thank you for taking time to listen in today. I've been having a conversation with Jen Dredge, who has, uh, along with others, uh, organized themselves to gather information and data about the election process here in Utah. And just to kind of shine light, like, you know, we don't know. There's never been a forensic audit in Utah. And it's it's kind of like time to... Just double check and make sure everything is on the up and up. So what's there? What's the harm? Right. 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 And um, and so Jen has been working diligently for a long time and um, gotten a group of people together. But we need more people to step up to the plate and help because 
We need to nudge these elected officials like our governor, our lieutenant governor. We want to have light shed. If there's no issue, then great. And if there is a problem, we want it fixed, right? Don't we want to correct something? If this, You've got to be able to, to see if there's a problem before anything can move forward. And as you said in the first segment, voting is the linchpin. If we don't have a secure and safe and valid election, then everything else that pertains to our liberty and our laws are, are gone because we're not our voice is not being heard on having our representative government put in place the ones that we want to be in place. And so you mentioned affidavits in the first segment. Explain to our listeners what affidavits you are doing. So right now we've got an audit the vote affidavit. It's a very easy one. It's just saying we want a forensic audit done of, you know, of the voting 2020, obviously, specifically. Um, And we're not saying we want to overturn anything. We're literally, we just want to know, right? Did fraud happen? Did it not happen? What did we have to clean up? That kind of a thing. Obviously, if people didn't win their election, then that has to be addressed. Um, But that's really the goal. It's an easy, like one and a half page affidavit. You fill it out, you get it notarized, and you send it in to the representatives you want to have it. We recommend Cox, you know, our governor, the Lieutenant Governor Henderson, the Attorney General Reyes, and then we recommend uh, Brad Wilson because he's head of the House and Stuart Adams because he's head of the Senate. But if you want to send it to your representatives in your area, then we, you know, go for it. You can actually send it to all of them if you want. Um, But the most critical thing is that you send it certified so that it's verified that it's delivered, right? Right. Right. And Certified now. Yeah. Do you know the cost of that off the top of your head? Fifty, I think six dollars. Is it six fifty? Okay, so, all right. Yeah. Okay, so it needs to be certified, so you know that for sure they've received it. Correct. And um, and then the county clerks, right? Um, we actually the county or recorder not. is who we do, just so that it's re- recorded. The reason we're not sending it to county clerks is because truly they may not know that fraud happened. To be fair mm-hmm. to them, they honestly may not know if it's if they're getting hacked. How would they know? You know what I mean? They're not right. So we don't want to be like, hey, it's your fault, county clerks, because I think they're taking a bunch of heat right now. And don't get me wrong, if we audit and we find some questionable things, then fine. But we don't have any proof of that, right? Or any reason Mm -hmm. to think that the clerks were involved at all on knowing anything about it. Um, So I would say you call them. What I would recommend to do with the clerks, and you can send them an affidavit, but I would say pick up the phone, call them, and say we would like you to audit first. Why don't you be the first county? to step ahead and say, you know what, come in and do a forensic audit. Be the first county to offer, you know, like Maricopa. I mean, be the first one and say, come on in. And we'd love to do it. So, and that's just picking up the phone and just asking. And, you know, I believe in Salt Lake County, just for those that are listening, I believe Sherry Swenson is up for re-election in 22. And if that's the case, she may be a little bit more amiable in wanting to, uh, respond to the public that could potentially be voting for her. Right. You know, let's go ahead and, and uh, that'd be great for Salt Lake to step up to the plate and do that or any of the counties, but any of them, any of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I live in Davis. So, and I've met uh, with the, the County clerk there and they're great. I think they're very nice people. I genuinely think they want to run a clean election. So I say, let us come in. They were very nice. They gave us three hour tour. Very great. So let's do a forensic audit. You know, now, yesterday you had brought in 
Dr. Douglas Frank, who is working with um, Mike Lindell now. Again, this is election integrity, but he's been able to figure out the algorithm that was used for the Dominion uh, or the database, I guess, uh, for the voter fraud, the pattern that was used. And it came from the 2010 census, right? Yeah, 2010. And then he's compared it, you know, to 2020, I believe. Okay. So he, and is, so yesterday he was talking about a, he's been able to do just a, oh gosh, what would you use it? Just a a quick look at the comparison. Yeah, it's just a quick kind of, it's, uh, it's fairly mathematical. So what I would advise people, if you want to fully comprehend how Dr. Frank does it, because there's different people doing different things right now is uh, Dr. Frank has a channel on telegram. That's just Dr. Frank, I believe. And um, you can actually watch the video that shows you how he does his calculations. Uh, But but a critical piece to it is birth year, right? Uh, Because he's trying to find phantom voters. That's the best way I can describe it. Phantom voters are the key because they will inflate things before the election to set up with their algorithm. Right. And he can kind of see where those fluctuations are. So okay. that's, yeah. Yeah. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is if he is given our data so that he can run his program, he's not going to charge Utah anything. Right. Nope. So nope. there's no cost. Like I've heard some people say, Oh, we can't afford a forensic audit because it would be too expensive. It's a waste of taxpayer money. But in reality, there's no money involved because he's willing to use his own time to clear this up. And if it's and if there is no fraud, great. Right. If there's not now a forensic audit itself would cost money. However, I would say to people who argue is your vote is like your right to vote not important enough to spend money on to get a forensic audit. I, yeah. You know what I mean? To me, yeah. that's worth verifying that we're in a good situation because let's be honest we got most of america there's plenty of polls that show that over 50 percent questioned the election results from 2020 when you have over half the country asking hey we don't think that was accurate you know what i mean it's it's time to do an audit in every state in my opinion and and not all of them are democrats or are republicans that question it when we were knocking doors in uh nevada there were a number of Democrats that were thanking us because they wanted to have the integrity of their, their vote. Right. right. You know? And so they, that was important to them. So how can our listeners get connected to you so that they can get um, more informed and also get access to these affidavit sheets? Sure. Uh, you can go to utahfreedomcoalition.org. The affidavits are on there. Um, they're on the homepage. It says uh, serve them their walking papers. <laughs> we do not consent. Um, so that's the affidavits are on that page, the instructions, everything. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email Utah Freedom Coalition at either gmail.com or Utah Freedom Coalition at protonmail.com, whichever works best. Okay. And what is the biggest need you need? What's the biggest uh what do you need most right now to, most in right order now. to achieve? We what need we people want who are willing to do. Yeah, we need people who are willing to do some research. We're digging into all those bills that I mentioned. We need help researching those. Um, we also will have a big call to action coming in a few weeks. 
Uh, and we're going to need boots on the ground for that. Like people are going to need to go door to door. You know what I mean? Stand out in front of Walmart, hand things out. We're going to need to do a big, big push for auditing, um, you know, Utah elections. And so we're going to need those help. We need volunteers for that. Jen, thank you so much for being the super mom and a liberty mom and for putting all this together so that we can make sure our votes are safe and secure here in Utah. So good luck with your work and we'll talk with you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. Liberty Moms are the real Secretary of Defense when it comes to their children, their family, and their communities. And our next segment, we're going to shift into education. And so that would mean we're going to talk about Liberty Moms being the superintendent of education in their homes. And I had the opportunity to listen yesterday to a open hearing, a public hearing that the state school board was because of a new rule that they published back on, I believe it's June 3rd. And this is in response to a, uh, not as well, the session, there was a special exceptional session, which I'll give you a little bit of background. So uh, a lot of parents, this has been a, a flood of parents who have been upset about what they're seeing happening to their children in, in the classroom. There's a lot of uh, critical race theory activism happening. It's not a curriculum per se. It's actually uh, how the curriculum is viewed. It's more of a ideology and everything is viewed through the lens of race. And there has to be an oppressor, an oppressor and a, um, um, there, there has to be some sort of a reparation for someone who's been oppressed and who has been the oppressor. And so it's all putting, it's putting everything into our classrooms that is definitely something you don't want in our classrooms because children by racist. They don't really look at skin color and they just look at kids as kids and want to hang out with them and, and, and play with them. And, and so because of the outpouring of parents, the, the Senate president had um, looked at calling a special session. Somehow uh, governor Cox got wind of that And he went ahead and called the special session before the legislative body could. And what happens in Utah, and I'm sure it's the same in other states, but whoever calls the session gets to control the agenda. And at that time, Spencer Cox did not want to discuss critical race theory. He's actually a proponent of of that. And he um, supports a lot of the ideology and the tenets of that. And so he called the session and that was left off. So what they did instead is they wrote up a resolution in the House 
and they wrote up a resolution in the Senate and they held what is called an exceptional session. And that allowed the legislative body to bring forward a a resolution calling on the state school board to make sure that critical race theory is not taught to our children in the classroom. And so back on June 3rd, they drafted and came up with a rule that is known as Rule R277328. It's become a very famous rule. And so yesterday there was a public hearing because the language in this, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago with state school board member Jenny Earl, we went through that there's a lot of problematic problematic (laughs) language that is in this rule. And instead of like eliminating critical race theory, it almost like it supports it. And it sets up a platform for this kind of, these kind of uh, uh, conversations to take place in the classroom. And so it's really caused an outcry on both sides. And you can tell that when things are just really vague and wishy-washy, it, both people are kind of like not happy with certain language because it's just so vague and open. And so yesterday they had the public hearing and the, the NEA, I mean, there's people that come out and say, there's no such thing. Critical race theory is not happening. It's no such thing. But yet the NEA, the National Education Association, has come out and said that they are enforcing and promoting critical race theory to take place in every state across the United States. So the unions know that it's there. And the UEA was speaking yesterday. Heidi Matthews is the president. And it was interesting because her comments were very uh Interesting because she referred to parents, mothers and fathers as humans, humans in the home. That's what she called us. If you're a parent, if you're a mom or you're a dad, you're called a human in the home. That's how the union, the UEA looks at parents. Okay, so they're very gender uh, neutral. Uh, Teachers in the classroom, educators are known as adults and parents are no longer parents, they're humans in the home. So that is where they're coming from. And uh, they took a lot of comment. I I do have to commend the school board because this was not a meeting that was scheduled. It was a meeting that they went ahead and uh, decided to hold because of all the concerns about critical race theory. And they've been hearing from parents, there's been open comments. Uh, about this particular rule, and they've got over, oh, I don't know how many thousands of comments, but lots of people have been weighing in. And so they had this public hearing. The only thing that I was disappointed in is they had set a parameter of two hours. And there was Zoom, uh, people that were testifying over Zoom, as well as in person. And they got to the end of the two-hour mark, and there were only four people who had actually signed up to testify. They only needed two minutes. They were allowing everybody that wasn't a presenter two minutes. And they shut the meeting down without letting these four extra people testify. And you might say, well, that that is what it is. But what was interesting is two names were moved off the list and jumped forward to the uh, kind of ahead of the line. They, they kind of got the fast pass. Like when you go to Disneyland and you show up to go on a ride and there's this huge line, 
If you have this special paper, you get to jump the line. And that's what these two individuals happened to do. One was uh, Rich Kendall out of Davis County. He stayed till the very end. So he didn't have an appointment that he had to go to. But what was interesting is the testimony that was being eliminated were from two um, black conservative people. Okay. And it was interesting that they were totally making sure that the liberal comments were being made, but cut it off when there was only four people left. So that's another eight minutes, eight minutes after your two o'clock timeframe. What is the harm in that? I know that when I've been up at the legislature during the sessions, if there's not a hard meeting that the legislators have to be to, I've been in committee hearings where they they're there till eight, eight thirty at night because they will allow for public comment if people have shown up and made themselves um, available because it's hard. It's hard for people who work and have a family to get themselves up to the Capitol. If they have made that effort, they will stay and let those people make public comment. And so it was really, really disappointing that uh, in this particular situation, when you had four individuals that were left and one of them actually is from out of state, but was a former state senator, they still would not allow this extra eight minutes of time. So um, where are we with this? Now, I would recommend that you take the time to go to YouTube. This particular meeting was recorded. It was streamed live. And if you go to YouTube, you can actually listen to the comments. And that in and of itself will really educate you on a lot of critical race theory. And you'll also hear how the, the, um, the left is trying to spin this as we're not teaching history. Well, we've always been teaching history in school, but that's what their take is, is that, oh, you're just trying to not talk about history. And it's, again, it's not a curriculum. It is a ideology. It's how you view history. It's how you view economics. It's how you view life in general. Everything has to do with race, with this Marxist ideology. And so I would recommend that you go there and look for public hearing on proposed rule R277-328, and it will come up. It's two hours, but if you really want to take the time, there were a lot of great comments from uh, parents and uh, educators uh, exposing what is wrong with this critical race theory, as well as giving examples of what's happened to their children in classrooms here in Utah. It is going on right now. Now, you can still make comments, which I would recommend all of you to reach out to the school board. And if you will send an email to Sybil C-Y-B-I-L dot child at schools dot Utah dot gov and indicate that you want this email to be included in public comment, you will be able to have your thoughts and uh, your desires about CRT Express. So I would recommend you do that. Um, We've got more that we're going to talk about with education when we get back after the short break on the Liberty Mom Show.
Welcome back to the final segment of the Liberty Mom Show. Thank you for staying with me today. Chris Kimball is hosting. We're part of the Loving Liberty Network. So thank you again for, for tuning in. And we, um, it is my hope that there's enough information that you gain from this show that you actually have an action plan to step up and secure our liberty. That's the biggest thing that we're we're facing right now is we're losing our liberties very rapidly and we need to call upon everyone. In fact, my earlier guest, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Jan Dredge, I recommend going back to the first um, two segments because Jen has taken it upon herself to make sure that going forward in the future, we have safe, secure, valid elections here in Utah. And that is the that is the linchpin to liberty. If we don't get the people that we vote into office and we end up having uh, people that we don't want in charge and making um, bills and, and policy decisions for us, then we are going to be very, very, very um, sad people and we could end up losing our liberty. So we have to make sure that gets taken care of right away. And uh, um, the the big takeaway from her work is the fact that we need you to reach out to your elected officials. Uh, We talked about an affidavit program, but even phone calls. If you make phone calls into the governor's office, the lieutenant governor's office, your state uh, representatives, the House speaker, the Senate president, and the county recorders and let them know that you want to have a forensic audit in the county and a forensic audit of their state. And so if there's nothing to hide, then no biggie, no no harm, no foul. And we move forward and know that we have safe and secure elections. But if there is a problem, then we can address it and fix it so we don't have problems like that moving forward. So um, that was our first takeaway. And then we uh, talked a little bit about what happened with the state school board meeting. This is addressing critical race theory that took place yesterday. But I want to kind of shift a little bit and talk about what's happening at local school board meetings. So yesterday was a state school board meeting addressing critical race theory that the legislative body had wanted uh, the school board to address, which they didn't do a they they did their best under a short period of time but it definitely needs to be readdressed but our local school boards we're starting to see kind of some top top heavy um what's the word i want to use um really aggressive behavior towards parents who actually are showing up and asking questions showing up and wanting to question policies that the uh that the school board isn't acting. And as a parent, they pretty much have the right because our constitution, state constitution, really delegates the main education of the children is in the hands of the parent. And and the the public school is just a partner with that parent. And so uh, uh, I had Brittany Lindsay lined up uh, to be my guest and there's been a problem where she hasn't been able to call in. And so I'm just going to share her story because it's pretty um, eye-opening about 
how much power and um, what is going on with our unions here in Utah. So she um, had some issues with the Alpine School District in the fact that uh, they Alpine has pretty well uh, told parents that they don't want them at school board meetings. Okay, so they've gone through um, different processes where they've locked the doors and not allowed the parents in, or um, they've had their their mask mandates where you're not wearing a mask, so you can't come in the room. Or um, in April, what had happened is um, they were not allowed to go into the building, but they the school board set up a Zoom meeting for the parents. And so they were out in their cars and uh, listening to the meeting and uh, the reception wasn't that great. But after a certain point in time, the meeting stopped. And so they thought that was the end of it. It turned out that they, the school board went into special session and uh, there were, uh, which the parents didn't know at that time because they had been dropped off of the meeting and so they were waiting for board members to come out because they wanted to talk to them. That's board members are elected officials and they just want to have communication. And uh, they, they've been uh, keeping themselves at arm's distance. And what happened is there were, uh, they were honking their horns, waiting for the, the, uh, the school board member to come out, members to come out, which never happened. But what happened was they ended up pressing charges against the parents for trespassing and for disrupting a meeting. And the question is, if you're outside in a parking lot, I mean, it makes me laugh just to think about it. If you're outside in a parking lot, how can you disrupt a meeting that you don't even know is going on that's inside the building? It, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. It, it really is. And so um, they, they've been charged that her, um, Brittany Lindsay, she's a mom of four. She's been very, very active. She's got children in school. She did not want them wearing masks. So she's done a lot of different peaceful protests, um, throughout the mask period at different schools and different, um, uh, district buildings. And, uh, they have not liked that. They don't like parents, uh, you know, going against their policies, and so they um, they filed charges against her. And so uh, they were able to get some grandma requests and requested some emails through. Um, they wouldn't allow it through her name, but through another name. And they found out that um, the school board, all they had to do was just send a quick email to the American Fort Police Department saying, yeah, we want trespassing charges. And, and that was it. There was the police didn't reach out to her and get their side of the story or anything. It was just um, done just like that. And so um, she is fighting those charges. She had her um, arraignment the other day, but um, the reason why they escalated and decided to file charges against her is because there was a meeting that she had with a couple of school board members and she recorded the meeting and the meeting is posted on rumble. And I'm sorry, she's not with me to give me the exact link to it might be under her name, uh, Brittany Lindsay, B R I T N E Y L I N D S E Y. That's her name, but it's on rumble. 
And she recorded this meeting with uh, two school board members from the Alpine School District. And they told her in this meeting that um, they were being, um, the UEA was actually giving them incentives to, um, you know, use this critical race theory to, um, to push these, these things. And that they were actually getting money from the UEA if they would do that. And that's kind of where they were. They were kind of, well, we can't listen to parents because if we listen to the parents, then we're not going to make the UEA happy and we need to, you know, so that's kind of where they were. Well, that got exposed. And so they were very angry and that's why they've come after her. And so um, there's that situation that happened in Alpine School District. And then we have another uh, individual who attended a school board meeting up in Davis School District. And now he's had charges come uh, against him and he just came and spoke at a meeting and they, the school board was not happy that he was sitting less than three feet away from his friend. And so he had to move his chair and he addressed the body. And afterwards he was served by the Davis County Sheriff's or Davis police department. I'm not sure which now he will be on next week with, with Delane and he's going to share his story, but but they're trying to really be heavy handed on parents who show up and testify. And we saw this also in Granite School District. I've witnessed um, Granite School District where you have the second largest district in the state and they only allow for parents, three parents to comment. And so they're not being very accommodating to parents and that that really does need to be changed. So just be aware that um, we need to be vigilant in our local school board meetings and make sure that we show up and um, address these policy issues that are hurting our families. And so um, uh, I would hope that you will take the information that you've heard today with with the affidavits on the secure the election and also on making public comments for this CRT rule that uh, happened with the legislature. So um, we'll have all that in the show notes. And thank you for being with us today on the Liberty Mom Show.